back to the Not Your Mama podcast. This is your host, Kelly Bryant, and today we are talking about hip flexors, or specifically, we're going to be reframing the idea of quote-unquote tight hip flexors. So tight hip flexors are like the bane of just about everyone's existence. I would say 95, 99% of the people I work with have some expression of tight hip flexors. And when we have tight hip flexors, the sort of common recommendation is like, just stretch them, stretch them more, stretch them all the time. And that really doesn't work for most people. So this week I thought it would be helpful if we sort of just opened up this can of worms and figured out why are your hip flexors so tight and what can you actually do about it that isn't just continuing to stretch them out. First thing is we're going to need to define some terms. So what are your hip flexors? And we'll talk about some other muscles that are part of the pelvis and definitely have an influence on our hips. So hip flexors, there's two primary hip flexors, although lots of muscles actually do play a role in flexing the hips. By the way, flexing the hips just means lifting your knee to your chest. So the muscles that activate when you lift your knee to your chest. One of those muscles is the psoas, that's spelled P-S-O-A-S. The psoas is pretty, like, it gets a fair amount of attention. So if you kind of, like, scroll around in the Instagram world of body movement or you have Googled some of your issues before, you've probably come, come up with the idea of the psoas being tight. Our psoas is a super, super interesting and really important muscle. It connects from the front of the thigh. It crosses through the pelvis, though it doesn't attach in the pelvis at all. And then it connects to our vertebrae from our low to our mid-back. So it connects at several vertebrae from low to mid-back. Now, our hip flexors can be tight for lots of reasons. One reason that I've always said, and by the way, what we're talking about today, this is sort of a newer understanding for me. And so one of the reasons that I've always kind of talked about hip flexors or psoas muscles being tight is because we sit, right? So if we sit all day and we are physically, when we're sitting, we're bringing our thigh closer to our trunk, that shortens the psoas muscle. So that makes perfect sense. But the reason I'm starting to think differently about this is that's a shortened muscle that's passive, So most of us, when we sit at our desk all day, we are not actually clenching our psoas muscle. We're kind of like leaned back in our chair. We're fairly relaxed. So if you're sitting at a table and you like kind of poke into the front of your hip, you're probably not going to feel like a really tense, engaged muscle. So it doesn't track that that would be the reason for the hip flexor being so tight for most of us. Of course, there are exceptions. There are probably people who over-engage their hip flexors when they are just sitting, not doing anything, but they're squeezing their hip flexors. That's possible. But there's some other reasons the psoas might be tight, and we're going to talk about those in a second. But I want to introduce you to the other hip flexor muscle that's going to be relevant for us today, which is the TFL. It stands for tensor fascia, it doesn't matter. It's TFL. If you Google TFL, you'll find the muscle you're looking for. That is on the outside front of both hips. So if you put your hands on your hip bones, the sort of pointy bones at the front of your pelvis, you go in, that's your psoas, you go out, that's your TFL. And if you've ever rolled that area, it's pretty tense on a lot of us. Um, That TFL does hip flexion, it also lifts the leg out to the side abduction. So that muscle uh, 
can also get really tight. And this is a little bit of a chicken or an egg. We don't really know, is it causing this or is it the result of this? But it also encourages anterior pelvic tilt. Now, if you've, again, Googled around, you've probably become familiar with anterior pelvic tilt. This is also something that like, if you go to a chiropractor or PT or something like that, they'll often tell you, oh, you have a lot of anterior pelvic tilt. Our TFLs tend to be tight when we have anterior pelvic tilt, and they're sort of like pulling that that pelvis forward into that anterior position. So put a pin in that. Your TFLs are the other sort of hip flexor muscle that we want to know about and be thinking about. Then there's the back side of the hip. Now, most of us are familiar with our glutes. They're the, the larger muscles. We have our glute max and our glute medius. They're the larger muscles of our back side of the pelvis. I'm going to go out on a limb and tell you that most of us do not have overly strong glutes. We may have grippy glutes, which is a different issue, but most of us are not like super, super strong in our glutes. I call these the bubble butt muscle. There's usually like visible definition with these muscles. Um, They're the muscles that we kind of want to get stronger. Inside of those muscles, we have our deep hip rotator group and the deep hip rotators, there's lots of them. Um, They include things like your piriformis muscle. And I've talked before about the piriformis. Um, It's pretty deep. It's like if you feel like you have like a pain in your butt cheek, it is usually the piriformis that is responsible for that. There's also obturators, which are lower than the piriformis, like toward like lower towards your sit bone. Um, Those do some of the same things. There's all kinds of other pelvic floor muscles. We're not going to get into the names of all of them, but the ones on the backside generally all have a similar function of shortening that backside of the hip. Now, let's get a, a little bit of a picture of what these muscles do in relationship to one another. It should make sense, and you could check check yourself on this. You could put one hand on your booty, one hand on the front of your hip, kind of like you're making a sandwich with half of your pelvis. And if you thrust your hips forward, you should feel the back side of your butt getting smaller and the front side, or not smaller, but like contracted, shorter. The front side of your pelvis is getting lengthened. And of course, if you do the opposite, like if you squat back, like you're going to sit in a chair, front of your pelvis, hip hip flexors are getting shorter, back side of the pelvis is getting longer. So those have an opposite relationship with one another. You can do it a few times. Let your hips thrust forward, let your hips sink back, let your hips thrust forward, let your hips sink back. They have a relationship, an an antagonistic relationship with one another. What one does, the other does the opposite. The same thing will happen if you want to stand and turn your toes out, not thrusting your hips forward, just rotate your toes out, rotate your toes in, rotate your toes out, rotate your toes in. You should feel the hip, the back side, your butt gets shorter, contracted when you turn the toes out and the front gets longer. And the inverse is true when you bring your feet back into parallel. So what is causing all of this hip flexor tightness? If it's not sitting in a chair, which I would argue it is not, then what are we doing actively with our hip flexors so often that's causing so much pain? Now, there are other causes of this. So there could be reasons that your hip flexor is really tight um, from contracting a lot. For example, if you go snowshoeing, very obscure example, if you go snowshoeing, you've got heavy shoes attached to your feet, you're pulling them up out of the snow, you are flexing your hip 
with load. So that could definitely contribute to those muscles getting tight and sore, kind of like any muscle that you might, like your bicep, right? If you were to flex your bicep a bunch, it would feel tight and sore. That can definitely be a factor. I, same is true of people who do cycling classes where your feet are clipped in. If you are actively pulling up on a pedal, that can also contribute to hip flexor tightness. But for those of us who are not necessarily doing those things and we're just feeling this constant hip flexor tightness, pinchiness at the front of the hip, and I'll explain what I mean by pinchiness. I mean like you go to sit crisscross applesauce on the floor and your front of your hip kind of like by your front pocket hurts. Or if you were to lie on the floor, hug your knees to your chest and hug them really tight, like as tight as you can with your hands, and they feel like like pinchy or it feels like kind of like stuck, like there's stuff in the way of being able to get that leg to fold in. That's what I mean by pinchy hip flexors. And that's going to suggest that it's not overuse of those hip flexors, at least not from flexing your hip, that's causing that. There's a different type of overuse that's going on. Now, I've talked about this before on the podcast. If you haven't heard me talk about it, quick explanation. When our muscles contract, if they do lots and lots of contracting, they can feel tight, like the example of the bicep, going snowshoeing, cycle class, whatever. If we're doing the the muscle action, contracting over and over again, very normal for that muscle to feel tight and sore. It shouldn't feel that way all the time. It may feel that way when you've recently used it a lot. On the other hand, if we are overstretching a muscle a lot of the time, it will feel very tight because it's one, being overused all the time, and two, because our muscle sort of protects itself against getting pulled by having this little bit of like holding or gripping in the muscle to create stability, to create safety. Our body is just always seeking safety. And so if we are tugging on or pushing on a muscle all the time, it's going to have just a little bit of contraction, a little bit of uh, gripping and holding to keep you safe, to keep itself stable, to keep the joint stable. If there's a joint that's nearby, in the case of the psoas, obviously that's the hip joint. That is not going to necessarily develop a really strong muscle, right? It's not like doing a bunch of bicep curls and getting a really strong bicep. It's kind of like if you were uh, hyper flexible in your elbow and you were just hyper extending that muscle all the time, it might feel terrible in the muscle, but it's not going to be stronger as a result of it. That's what can happen in our hips. Now, if you're still standing up and you want to do this with me, you can do it with me. Or if you just want to picture it, you can picture it. But if you are someone who quote unquote hangs in your hips, that would mean you stand up and you maybe kind of let your pelvis sort of fall forward. You have a little bit of a deeper arch in your low back and your weight is pushing forward. This happens a lot for me, like if I'm cooking, right? So if I'm like doing something at the cutting board for a long time, I'll find that my hips are sort of resting into the counter. Or some people do it when they wash dishes, your your hips sort of just push into the countertop. Another really common place that this happens is holding a baby, right? So if you're holding a baby on one hip, one or the other side is gonna be shortened in the back and lengthened or overstretching in the front. And all of that is going to contribute to having that feeling of really tight, really pinchy hip flexors. So what that psoas muscle is doing is it's essentially trying to hold your thigh bone in your hip socket. If you've seen a, you know, a skeleton, um, 
or a diagram of the front of the pelvis, you know that the hip socket is not, it's called a ball and socket joint. It's not like completely closed around the head of the thigh bone. It's sort of like a bowl that the thigh bone sits in, but it's not completely inside of it. It's not like it's a light bulb that, I don't know why a light bulb is what came to mind, a globe. So a, a, a hollow orb that the thigh bone is inside of, it's completely open on the front side. And so there's lots of little muscles that play a role in holding the thigh bone back in the hip socket. By the way, if you have a history of labrum tear, this can definitely be a part of that. This could be the thigh bone is getting shoved forward into the soft tissue at the front of the hip all the time. And so all of the things that are responsible for sort of holding that hip together, holding the thigh bone into the hip socket, can get torn, can get damaged over time from constantly pushing forward, forward, forward. This is why stretching the hip flexors doesn't help. It can help in the moment. It might feel really good. It might feel like you're doing something. This is coming from experience, right? I am very much guilty of like, oh, stretching the hip flexor, stretching the hip flexor. It feels good because you're giving it sort of this like nerve signal. You're a little bit complex, the exact biomechanics of what's happening in the muscle at, at, at a fiber level. Doesn't really matter. Point is, it feels good in the moment. It doesn't feel good forever. It may feel worse when you actually get up to walk around. I've definitely like been in yoga class that was all hip flexor, hip flexor, hip flexor. Walked away and felt like, oh, I feel like like I'm like my my hip is this is very dramatic, like ripping open. It feels like everything is like no support there at the front of the hip, and it doesn't feel good. Um, so what do you do instead of constantly stretching and stretching and stretching that hip? I have a few ideas. Ready? First one is to lie in a position called static back. By the way, if you need to pause this and go get on a floor and actually do this with me, that would be amazing. Uh, first position is static back. You need a chair, a bench, your couch, coffee table, something like that. You're going to put your calves up on the coffee table and lie on your back so that your hips are bent at 90 degrees and your knees are bent at 90 degrees. If you're finding that your knees really, you want to relax here. So if your knees really want to like fall open and roll open, then you want to get a yoga strap or use something to hold your legs parallel. They don't need to be touching. We want them to be parallel, not rotating open and falling out to the sides because that falling out to the side is TFL shortening. And we're not trying to shorten the TFL up. What we're trying to accomplish, by the way, set a timer for three to five minutes, just lay in that position for three to five minutes if you like visualization. I find that for all of this like thigh bone in the hip socket stuff, visualization is really helpful. You can't voluntarily control a lot of the tissues that are responsible for holding the thigh bone in the hip socket, but I think visualization helps. So you're letting the weight of gravity settle your thigh bone straight down into your hip socket. If you have SI joint or sacroiliac joint discomfort or dysfunction of any kind, this is also helpful for that because SI dysfunction commonly happens because there's some, some twist or some rotation across the back of the pelvis. Getting both thigh bones heavy and weighing down into the hip sockets evenly can help kind of bring your pelvis back to neutral and, and bring both sides back to center so they're they're matching again. So 
if you're doing this live, pause, set a timer for three to five minutes, come back when you're ready. Next movement, we are gonna do two foam rolling exercises. The first one is going to be for the piriformis and the other muscles of that deep hip rotator group, pelvic floor. You're going to sit on a foam roller, cross, we'll start with the right side, cross your right ankle over your left knee. Bend your left knee so you're in basically what would be a figure four stretch. So normally we do a figure four stretch lying on the floor. You're doing that figure four stretch sitting up with your tush on the foam roller. Lean to the right and roll up and down on that kind of you're you're really in like the meat of your butt cheek. So it's the knee that's crossed over the the ankle that's crossed over is the side of the hip that you're rolling on. In this case, it's the right side. You just kind of roll around on there until you find the spots that go, oh, oh, ah, oh. By the way, if you don't have a foam roller, you can do this sitting on the floor. So I find that just sitting on the floor and rolling my butt around on a hard floor, I can get plenty of sensation here. If you need more than just what the floor will do, you can take a blanket and roll it up so you have like a little tube similar to a foam roller, just a very soft foam roller, do the exact same thing as if it was a foam roller. You're going to repeat that to the other side. I would suggest kind of rolling around, exploring for a minute or two. You should be able to breathe calmly and deeply through that sensation. So if you cannot breathe because it is so intense, that's too intense. Go ahead, switch sides, do the other side, left ankle cross over right knee, bend the right knee. So you're in a figure four stretch on the left side, Lean onto your left hip and roll around on that hip. Very normal for the two sides to feel very different. Now, if you're feeling a fair bit of sensation in that back side of the hip, that would be an indicator that that back side is really tight, contributing to, but and I shouldn't say really tight, that back side, that would be an indicator that that back side is really shortened, contracted, contributing to thrusting the thigh bone forward in the hip socket. So we talked about, you know, one hand on the butt cheek, one hand on the front of the hip, that relationship between the two. If the back side of your hip is tight, shortened, it will lead to the front side feeling tight from being lengthened. So if we're going to try to actively send the thigh bone back in the hip socket, we need to make space first. That's why we're doing this foam rolling here. We need to actually let the thigh back into the hip socket. So we have to get this whole backside to loosen up a little bit. There's lots of other piriformis stretches and uh, outer hip stretches. Any of those can be helpful, but just for our purposes, I am avoiding stretching any of those things because, uh, well, we will be stretching them eventually. But for, for the starting position here for this foam rolling, we're not stretching those right away because we are trying to uh, get everything to calm down. We're trying to get everything to relax. And sometimes stretching into a muscle that's already kind of angry, it doesn't really like to let go. So we're just trying to roll it, massage it, love it very gently into letting go. Next thing you're going to roll is your TFL. So if you know how to roll your quad, you come over kind of like you're going to do a forearm plank, Put the foam roller under one thigh. You can use your opposite knee to help support this. So you're just gonna do one side at a time. So foam roller is under, let's say your right thigh, and you're gonna roll so that the foam roller is right 
to the top of the thigh, just under the hip bone, and then you're gonna lean to the right so it's in that front pocket area where your TFL is. You're rolling just to the outside of your hip point, that ASIS or hip bone. So you're on the outside front of your hip, rolling around there on the TFL. Again, do that for a minute or two. Do it to the other side as well. Now, this is gonna help because those TFLs can play a role in bringing you into anterior pelvic tilt, which can play a role in bringing you into external rotation, which can play a role in tightening the back side of the hip. This is all about just getting the back side of the hip to release. So counterintuitively, getting that front TFL to relax a little bit can allow you to kind of bring your feet in to a closer to parallel position, let your thigh bone sit back into your hip socket. Next, you are going to do some prone glute squeezes. So we've told some muscles to relax. Now we have to tell some other muscles to come in and do what they are supposed to be doing, what they were supposed to be doing all along. So those deep hip rotators tend to take over when we don't have well-developed glutes. So we're going to do some little glute engagement exercises to tell our glutes, hey guys, we'd like you to come to the party. You're supposed to be participating here. You're going to lie face down. If you can get comfortable with your uh, your uh, forehead resting on the floor, that is ideal. Um, you could use a blanket, a pillow, something like that, but you do um, need your hands free. So you're not going to be resting your head on your hands. You're going to put a couple fingers right to the front of your hip. So kind of like hip crease, that psoas area on both sides, just under the hip bone. So you're going to touch that area and you might need to do this wrong in order to feel what doing it right feels like. So try to lift one leg by squeezing your glute and sort of thrusting your thigh bone forward. So see if you can feel that thigh bone want to push down into your fingers. That would be the thigh bone shifting out of the hip socket. Instead, we're gonna do some big, big, big core engagement. You're gonna use your fingers to keep yourself honest and feel that your thigh bone is staying in the same place as you contract your glute to lift your leg up. This may take some trial and error, some practice over time to, to feel like you can get that glute engagement without just jamming forward in the hip socket. You're going to do about 10 reps on each side. You could do two to three sets. You really just want to feel like you're doing it right. So I don't want you to go for 10 reps, three sets of not the right movement. You want to really feel, yeah, this is my like bubble butt glute muscle engaging. There's a lot of core support. I'm not feeling it in my low back. I'm not feeling it in that outer hip and I'm not jamming forward in the front of my pelvis. Last but not least, and of course do both sides. Last but not least, we are going to do a eccentric exercise for the outer hip. So I said, we're not really going to be stretching the outer hip muscles. You're not going to be passively stretching them. We are going to be actively stretching them. So we're going to eccentrically load those muscles. What that means is basically if a muscle is really contracted, it's having a lot of trouble lengthening. And so we're going to actually put some load on it put some weight on it and sort of make it gently, lovingly, make it lengthen. Come onto hands and knees and then put one knee, let's say it's your left knee, just to make this clear, put your left knee onto a yoga block. 
The first thing we're going to do is identify what shortening your side waist would look and feel like. So allow your left hip to kind of shift up. So you're getting like a big old wrinkle in the left side of your shirt. Your hip is traveling toward your left ribs. That's what we don't want. Do the opposite, pulling your left hip back away from your left ribs. Now we've got left knee up on a block, right knee is touching the ground. So you're already lengthened in your left outer hip. We're going to use the hands to help us lift the right knee up to get level with the left. And then with control, let your right knee shift back down to the floor without shortening your left side waist. That's eccentrically lengthening the outer hip muscles with load. Lift the knee back up, bring it to parallel, and then keeping the left side of the waist long, let the outer left hip lengthen as you shift the right knee back to the floor. You can do about 10 reps of this. This is going to be really challenging at first to actually do it correctly. So your your, um, sideways, lots of other things are going to want to take over so that your outer hip muscles, if they are really tight, don't have to release. They're really not going to. Try several times. If you feel like, "Ah, I'm just not getting it, I'm not getting it, let it go. Come back again tomorrow. This is not one of those things that's worth doing wrong repeatedly, right? That will just contribute to the same movement patterns that are not helping you already. So if it's not working, let it go. Skip that exercise. But those five things, again, static back, foam rolling the piriformis, foam rolling the TFL, glute prone glute squeezes, and eccentric loading of the outer hip muscles. If you were to try those, and this is my challenge to you, if you are someone with pinchy hips, do a little test. Sit crisscross applesauce on the floor. Let your knees fall open. See if that hurts. Lie on your back, hug your knees to your chest. That's your test. See where you're starting from. Then do those five exercises. Should take maybe 10 minutes. Do them once a day, every day for a week. And then test yourself again and see how you feel. And the real coup, the real exciting thing would be if you then go to do like a a low lunge, like in yoga, and you don't feel like the hip flexor is super tight, that would be an amazing outcome as well. I would love to hear from you if you do try to do it, and I really hope that this helps. Have a wonderful week. Any of the resources mentioned in today's episode will be available in the show notes. So go ahead to your podcast app and open up the show notes, or you can find them right on my website. And I would be so grateful if you would share today's episode with a friend. So just go back to your podcast app, hit the share button and send the link over to someone who you think would benefit from this. And lastly, if you want bonus brownie points, you can go rate and review the podcast. This helps new subscribers find us and get some awesome benefits from listening to today's episode. Thanks again for being here and have an awesome week.